Whether you're a new listener or a regular, thank you for spending time just now with the EAE podcast. My name is Laura Rumbly, and this is episode number 46 in our series. It's the middle of July as we publish this episode, and this is a common time of year for recent graduates to be making the transition from education to the world of work. We thought this might be a nice moment to pause and reflect on what can be an exciting but also daunting moment for newcomers to our field who are actively seeking or just stepping into that first job in international education. Of course, there's no one true template for finding that first job or for having it find you, as one of our speakers mentions happened to her, and there's no one end-all, be-all set of skills that will ensure success. But it can be helpful to hear from individuals who've been walking a path as professionals in international education for some years, or are working with students who aspire to such a path. Our guests for this episode are two such individuals. Frank Ziegler is executive director of the Center for Higher Education, known as CHE, a leading German think tank on higher education, as well as a professor of higher education and research management at Osnabrück University of Applied Sciences. And Alejandra Vicencio is head of international mobility at Northumbria University in the UK. In addition, she's the chair-elect of the EAE's expert community mobility advising, a role that she'll hold from 2022 to 2024, and she's also an active EAE mentor. As you'll hear in our conversation, both Alejandra and Frank have some very thoughtful insights to share with new graduates and young professionals looking to build a future in our field. Thank you so much to both of you for being with us in this uh, summer season when many of us might already be on holiday, you're with us and we really appreciate that. Ale, I'd like to kick off this conversation with you. We're here to talk about first jobs in the field. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about your first job in international education and how you found your way into it. That's a really good question because I um, studied abroad for a year in the US. I'm originally from Chile and I got a, a grant to, to work as a TA and study at a college in South Carolina. And I really liked the experience. I'd never lived anywhere else before. And when I went, went back to Chile, I uh, got back straight back into academia. I started teaching a couple of universities. And for a couple of years, I did that, but always thinking in the back of my mind, I really liked the experience of working in an international setting. So luckily, I uh, bumped into a, a, an ad for an international school in Santiago who were looking for a sales and marketing rep. And the main requirement was for someone to speak English fluently in Chile. So I thought, well, this sounds really interesting. And I thought, well, I would like to be involved in something international also related to education. So it was perfect for me. And I applied and I got it and then started working for them. So I think instead of finding it, it found me in a way, I would say. Yes. Yeah, so that's how I started back in 2004. Aha, okay. So that's been some time now. You're coming up on 20 yeah. years. So that's amazing how that time passes. Exactly. Um, thinking a little bit further with you about that experience in that first job, is there any specific advice you think it's important to give, particularly to younger people, really early career people who are in the process of looking for that first job or settling into it? What are some of the things that speak to you from your own experience that you might think would be useful for, for those in that situation right now to think about or know? Well, right now at Majoba Northumbria, we have a really good program called Connect Me, and we match students with members of the staff to have that conversation before they graduate. So it happens every year in, in June. 
And it's very interesting because we, uh, we do ask the students, what is your passion? What are you passionate about? What things interest you? You know, you can have a, a very good idea about what you want to do right after you graduate. If you study something that's pretty obvious, like teaching or engineering, people normally tend to find a job that is exactly what, you know, it does what it says on the tin, basically. And uh, they follow the path straight away. But many students are a bit hesitant to, to do that. And they, they're not 100% sure whether they would like to study a postgraduate degree or start working. And many of them now, especially with um, study abroad increasing, they do look back on the experience and think, oh, I really enjoy my time abroad. I made lots of connections. I did lots of networking, met lots of great people, and I would like to be involved. So um, I normally say, look, if you really are passionate about something, you might want to be think outside of the box and see what other opportunities are out there for recent graduates, if there are any schemes abroad, if you know if you go beyond your region or your city where you live, are you um, try to be a little bit adventurous, a little bit mm-hmm. uh, de- daring, you know, uh, don't be afraid. Everybody, millions of people have done it before and they're really, really happy and they had really successful careers. So the first thing that I say, what are you passionate about? What yeah. is your passion? What is what are the things that you like, that you enjoy doing, and then try to match that passion with something that is out there that not, doesn't necessarily relate directly to your degree, but you have some soft skills that will help you um, do a good job there. And if you already have some experience doing something similar, you can apply that experience even if it's not a, a job during university, but any volunteer work or any experiences, one-off experience or something like that, where you can showcase how you uh, applied those soft skills to that job. And then it will help you with your job application in the future. So for international education specifically, I think a lot of people have come from very diverse backgrounds. So that helps because it's a very interesting uh, world to work in. So that's uh, the one thing that I also mentioned to um, recent graduates when they're thinking about working internationally or especially in international education. It's really nice advice, I think, because I remember, you know, being a young person reaching the end of my university years and feeling like I needed to make some very safe choices about next steps. And I had a clear idea that I loved things international, but I think I had only a very limited sense of what I could do with that. And I I like the the idea of, of really encouraging people to think more broadly and, you know, potentially have some first steps, some tentative experiences, you know, that that you're not committing your entire life to, but you're giving yourself a chance to get to know something. I think that's very, very important. <laughs> Frank, you work at Osnabrück University of Applied Sciences, where you're the academic director for your institution for the Erasmus Mundus master's program known by the acronym MARIHE, or MARIHE, I'm not sure how you pronounce it, mm-hmm. but I know this program aims to train managers who are able to innovate and improve in all aspects of higher education, And at the same time, the program has a very strong internationalization component. So I was wanting to check in with you about this notion of, you know, the ways that internationalization can contribute to training better higher education professionals generally. What's what's your sense of that? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure that this is possible. I think the first aspect uh, relates to what what uh, Ale just has said. You you talked about adventure. <laughs> so so to a certain extent, the Maria program, which means Master in Research and Innovation in Higher Education. So that's the acronym. Um, is is also an adventure. Yeah. So so very ambitious mobility scheme. People start in in Austria in Krems, then they go to Tampere to Finland and. And then they have an internship somewhere in the world. Then they go either to India or to China. And then they end up in Osnabrück with us or in, in Budapest, Hungary, or in other places. Yeah, so this is really this is really an adventure. And if you survive that, you yeah, you on the one hand, you are part of a community and a group. Yes, so so we're always talking also about the Maria family here because these these people have so close relationships for for life come, coming out of this experience, and and yeah, you learn something for your personality. You just develop. So that's that's the one thing. I think the other thing is higher education and research. Well, has an international heart. Yes, so so it is international by nature. It's deep in the. DNA. And, and there is always a problem if researchers and uh, professors, if they, if they have all these, these international experiences, the international touch, but the professionals, professionals and administrators, they do not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that creates a kind of gap between these people. Yeah, I know from my country, sometimes we are struggling with internationalization strategies in universities. And then we end up with the question, do our administrators speak foreign languages? Yeah, And, and so, so if you really want to have a community where people are acting on the same level playing field in administration, in teaching and learning, in research, then and this has to be an international community. So I would say to a certain extent, it is inevitable that these professionals um, get this international experience. And maybe to mention one last, last point, what I always see with my graduates, my graduates after that experience with these different countries, they are able to understand the relationship between institutional practices, systems and culture. Uh-huh. Yeah, and, 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 and I think that is something which is extremely important for, for young professionals, yeah, because, the, for instance, they go through systems where hierarchies play different roles. Yeah, sometimes they are strong. Some in Latin America they are a bit stronger, and, and in other countries they they are very weak. But you have to understand what that means for for university management, for how people interact in a university, and so they develop this cultural sensitivity. And 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 we also stress that in our in our program. So so we are explicitly talking about culture and and what does it mean um, to to work in different countries and how, how does a regional culture mix with an academic culture and and, and a disciplinary culture? Yeah. So you have all these influences. 
and and that's really that's really what I find. If people go through such an international experience, they are able to understand that, and and they are able to deal with it, and and they are able to do something which which uh, is called in the literature it's called cultural customizing. Mm -hmm. So you can you can design structures and tools and work in a way which is customized with the culture you're working in. So so uh, so that's really a point I would like to stress because this is something you only get out of international experience. And really your program seems quite marvelous in the sense that it's not only talking about these things, but students are living through yeah. them, you know, in the course of the different uh, locations yes, that they it. study in. So interesting. Keeping with you for a moment, Frank, and talking about these graduates of your program, could you mention some specific roles in higher education that students out of your program are aspiring mm -hmm. to or are taking on as they graduate? Yeah, yeah, I think I, I maybe I, I see four different roles. The first is they go back to their home countries and work in universities, university administration, or in the public administration in, in ministries, for instance. So, so currently I have a graduate working in the higher education ministry in Ukraine, yeah, who has a lot wow. of, of course, a lot of trouble at the moment. So and I had contact with her. So so that's also a component of, of what we're doing. Um then some of them, um, uh, it, that was a surprise to me in the beginning, some of them stay in the Maria countries, so where the universities are located, so they somehow fell in love either with the country or with the person <laughs> within <laughs> the country. That could, of course, also happen. I have a couple of my graduates who, who stayed in, in, in Germany because of, because of these personal reasons. Um, then I have people working with um, international organizations yeah, like UNESCO or uh, the World Bank and so on. So they really continue with the truly international job by, by working in a supranational organization. And, and last but not least, a certain percentage of our credits is going for the PhD yeah, mm. So they went to Boston College or, or other other places because our that, that's also one of the ideas in our program. Yeah, it's about, on the one hand, it's about practical management in higher education. But on the other hand, it's also about higher education research because mm -hmm. you have to combine these things. And, and so some of them also aspire a research career. So I think we have our first graduate now in the position of an assistant professor at the University in Warwick, um, as an as an example. So so they go into all kinds of directions. Very very interesting. And indeed, our field, international education, really does have a multitude of different functions and areas. It's certainly reflected in the way that um, the landscape that you see across the EAE community, for sure. And thinking about the the specifics of those roles and the generalities too, are there some skills and competences or knowledge or even habits that you think can really help early career professionals thrive in our field today? Ale, what are your, some of your thoughts on that question? I think in general terms, in terms of people and, and what they want to do, as I said before, definitely enthusiasm and passion for any aspects of international education. So even if it's traveling, helping young people, uh, meeting people, doing networking or international relations, all those things I think are very helpful. And that's where most of our interests are born from, if you will, from a natural interest on, on any aspects of international education. But also I think uh, communication, good communication skills, 
are key because as Frank was saying, the cultural differences and how you apply those to your own institution and your own work are very important. Uh, being tolerant and flexible with your own ways of working and doing things in general, I think it's quite key because then you will have to apply that flexibility as the more you work with more different people from all different parts of the world. And also resilience, I would say. Resilience oh, is yes. a really important one because when you work for a university, especially, you can have many different jobs, but a lot of people work as administrators in higher education institutions. You do serve a large number of people, a large, num large number of students, colleagues, external stakeholders, and we don't have the largest of teams normally. And so you do quite a lot of things. It's very rewarding, of course. So you do enjoy what you do, but at the same time, you have to be able to cope with working with loads of people, being quite proactive and being quite efficient and trying to you know, have good team working abilities as well, because you, the liaison uh, aspect of the job, I think is quite important. You, you do talk to a lot of people, especially these days where, you know, we have in the last couple of years developed so much technology to do that more easily across the globe. I think uh, if you do have uh, team working abilities already and you know that that's what you like to do I think it, it, it will help you a lot in your career as a professional in our field and those possibly are the main ones I can think of. They really speak to me and this idea of wearing all kinds of different hats and changing gears you know depending on the audience yeah, or the absolutely. person that you need to talk to or advocate for or with. Mm -hmm. um, very very important that list. Frank you talked about cultural customization um, you know, I think that's a, a skill for sure that's remarkably important. Any other thoughts about knowledge, skills, habits that speak to you? Yeah, I think both, most of them have been mentioned by, by Ada, not much to add. Maybe, maybe one thing to be added. Um, I think, in, uh, as we all know, the, the future is not so much predictable. <laughs> so, so that means in terms of skills and, and what we learn and what we do and what our habits are, uh, we have to remain adaptive. And, and what, what many people would say that the future, the future of educating yourself is not that you are going for a certain degree because of its reputation or whatever, but it is um, well being the the designer of your own competence portfolio on in the process of lifelong learning, and and that's of course also a skill in itself. Yeah, so you you should be able to reflect um, what kind of competences do I need? How should I develop them? And understand that as your personal lifelong journey of of developing your your skills portfolio further. I, I think that's a kind of framework to all the important specific skills that 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 Ale has has mentioned. Um, maybe to add one, which I also mentioned already in context with with Maria, um, to have this attitude of institutional research because you if you're a professional in higher education there is often a huge gap to to see and to to take on board what higher education research is is finding out and producing on, on as knowledge about how universities work how international education works and and we have to link that so the the, the, the practitioners the, the people working as professionals they have to take on board 
what what the researchers find out. So so creating these linkages and and creating yeah a, a kind of openness to institutional research, which which is not so common in universities in Europe. I think mm -hmm. that's much more common in the U.S. and in other places. But in Europe, we really have to learn to to create that that link. And so professionals could also contribute to that by being open for it. Maybe that's that's two things that I would like to add to the wonderful list of, of Ale. <laughs> These are, are really interesting ideas for me. I think they resonate very closely. And as I was reflecting on what you're saying, something that occurs to me is this idea also of environmental scanning. I feel like my life over the last two years in particular has been so you know hardwired into that activity. And I can't mm -hmm. imagine not doing it now um, mm -hmm. in the ways that we have been so I think that, that connects to a lot of the different things you've yeah. both said. And, and I think if you look at what's currently happening in, in this uh, hopefully soon post-pandemic phase is that we have to deal with these ideas that are often running under this headline of new work. Yeah, yes. so, so these aspects of, of working in a very flexible way, uh, time-wise, and, and uh, in terms of the location to work with less hierarchies and very in a very participative way to, to work in a very agile uh, way. Yeah, so innovation cycles becoming shorter and, and more intensive. So, so I think that's something, if we look at the very near future, yeah, so that, of course, that all develops further in, in later on, but in the very near future, I think graduates have to, have to think about this new work context and adapt to these new conditions, um, which can create a lot of opportunities, yeah, but which are also sometimes not easy to handle. And, and I think that's an important thing if we look in the short run, what, what really matters. If I may, I completely agree with Frank because um, international higher education is a very dynamic sector, very dynamic. If you look at the past, you know, 120 years, the last 20, I've seen more change than the previous 100, mm. you know, so Absolutely. I completely agree yeah. with that. You have to, if you uh, like working in a very dynamic environment, this is definitely a career for you. Everything changes all the time, doesn't it? Absolutely. I, one of my staff members just asked me if she wants to go on a vacation in Kazakhstan. Yeah. And so, so these are new things that you are confronted with also as, as an employer in, in, in the post-pandemic era. And then you have to find out what are the, 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 legal, the, the legal frameworks um, for letting your people work in Kazakhstan. And so, so, so that's, but that's a great development also in terms of internationalization to, to offer all these opportunities also for for people in, in their jobs. Absolutely. So we all one way or another found our way into this field of international education. And just for the fun of it, I kind of wanted to explore your your lives a little bit more and ask, you know, if you could have chosen any other kind of international career, might there have been other paths that, you know, in an alternate timeline you might have chosen to pursue or, or were, were intrigued by? Ale, is there anything that, that springs to mind for you? If I could choose absolutely anything in the world, I'll possibly say a travel writer. Oh, yeah. I met once uh, someone who was working for Lonely Planet, and he was, he was really interesting. And obviously, I love traveling. It's one of my passions. And I have met, you know, the, these people who, um, who do this for a living. And it sounds like an incredible job to have, you know. I possibly feel very free 
and you know feel like you're learning every single day just by being in different places and meeting different people all the time so well whether it's consciously or unconsciously you're learning all the time so that sounds to me like a really interesting career to follow oh for sure how about you frank Surprisingly, something very similar came to my mind. You, you might know that one of the things that, that I'm also doing is uh, producing multidimensional rankings. So we are, I'm responsible for this UMultiRank uh, project. And, and I could imagine to use my, my ranking skills for other things, for example, ranking travel destinations. So that uh, comes very, yeah. so that comes yeah. very close to to the to writing travel guides, um, like like other ones too. So maybe we could do that jointly. Yeah. yeah? So you you write the text, and I do the multi-dimensional <laughs> criteria. And we have uh, just created a new business here. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All you need now is the photographer. So I'll be working on my skills. There you go. Okay. <laughs> Excellent. Well, Alex. Frank, it's been so nice talking with you about this really exciting area of first steps in, in a career in international education. Thank you so much for sharing your perspectives and your personal experiences. Oh, thank you for inviting us. It's been a really interesting conversation and hopefully it'll be very useful for young people. Yes, thank you. That was Alejandra Vicencio and Frank Ziegler. Alejandra is head of international mobility at Northumbria University chair-elect of the EAE's Expert Community Mobility Advising, and an EAE mentor. And Frank is executive director of the Germany-based Center for Higher Education, known as CHE, as well as a professor of higher education and research management at Osnabrück University of Applied Sciences. If you're interested in learning more about the EAE mentorship program or about the Erasmus Mundus master's program that Frank is involved in, please check out our session notes for this episode. And if you're a newcomer to the field looking for a way to really dive in, coming to the EAE's annual conference and exhibition taking place in Barcelona from September 13th to September 16th is a great step to take. With days and evenings full of interactive workshops and sessions, informative posters and dynamic networking activities, you will find yourself at the heart of a professional development experience like few others. While there, we'd be delighted to see you at the EAE stand in the Exhibition Hall, where you can learn more about how the EAE is organized and how you can get more actively involved. Between now and then, do be on the lookout for more episodes of the EAE podcast, and all good wishes to you from the EAE.